You're listening to the Sexual Wellness Sessions with Kate Moyle. Today's conversation was brought to you by Furley, the sexual wellness app empowering women and non-binary folk to overcome sexual difficulties, which can range from lack of libido, inability to orgasm or low body confidence. They do this with science-based tools and techniques that help their users to feel better in their bodies and their beds. The app is available on iOS and Android, and you can download it today and start your journey to a healthier, confident and more pleasurable life. I have the privilege of working with Furley as their resident advisor, and I truly believe that their app has the ability to be transformative for female sexual wellness. Today's episode, we are talking about something that I think often gets discussed in a certain journey, which is that sex leads to motherhood. And actually what we're going to be talking about is motherhood and sex, how motherhood can change someone's sexuality or their sexual feelings or their sexual desires or how they feel about themselves, um, can change how people feel about their bodies. And not just motherhood, but also pregnancy and birth. But the Amazing Sarah Forbes is my guest today. She is a curator, a sexual culturalist and an author. And she has um, written the incredible book, Sex in the Museum, based on her decade as the curator of the Museum of Sex in New York. One of the coolest jobs I think I have ever (laughs) heard. Um, And Sarah is writing her second book, Mama Sex, which is why I wanted to invite her on today, which is an anthropological look at motherhood and sexuality. Um, Sarah trained as an anthropologist, so she is absolutely an expert in this field. Um, And Sarah, I suppose the main question I have in terms of directing this conversation is that, as I said, we have this kind of common narrative that sex leads to motherhood but parenthood but we only really feel like we have or it only really feels like there's negative connotations attached to it after that and I guess I wanted to know is it only bad news I'm a mother myself I have my own experiences but why do we think that the narrative is so skewed in that way you know I definitely don't think it's all bad news but I do think that it puts a whole new challenge for an individual. I mean, going through motherhood is, is in many ways, it's becoming a new person. Mm-hmm. You, you are birthed as a new entity. So there's a, there's a phrase that I, so few of us know. I mean, it's kind of growing in its, in its uh, pervasiveness, but this idea of matricence. And it's, it's the process, a lot of anthropologists will use it, therapists will use it. It's the process of becoming a mother. It's describing the physical, psychological, emotional changes that mark this birth of motherhood. And you can really think of it almost like adolescence. It's ad- that you, you're not expected to be the same person before adolescence as you are afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what motherhood is. Well, you've gone through this profound change physiologically, emotionally, identity-wise. We shouldn't be surprised that the person on the other side of that is a different person who needs to get to know a new body, a new identity, and in many ways, a new version of their sexuality. I mean, in in lots of cases, if they are partnered and getting to their partner to get to know this new person and for them as this new person to get to know their partner. So 
I think it's also, you know, kind of to go back to your question is there are these challenges, but I also think there's lots of wonderful opportunities to kind of embrace. It's another milestone moment to embrace your sexuality to and to rediscover yourself. Um, you know, I think sexuality is a hard enough topic, you know, where so many people are trying to counter misinformation. They're trying to counter how they've been brought up. They've been countering, you know, what good sex or positive sex is supposed to be. So here's this moment where, you know, lots of times mothers will say, when you've gone through the process of giving birth in front of, let's say, a whole room of people, or you've gone through the process of maybe publicly breastfeeding, you're just, you're having a totally different relationship with your body than you probably did before. And so maybe that's an opportunity to get to know this new body and how it works and what it's going to find pleasurable. Um, you know, so that's just one part of it. And then we think about, you know, there's this idea that we, you know, as women get older, that they become more in touch with their sexuality or they become into their sexual prime. But for some reason, we don't attach that to mothers. But the same idea is you've gotten older. Maybe you have a better sense of what you as an individual like, what gives you pleasure as an individual, and hopefully being able to communicate that to achieve those goals. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because perhaps learning to get to know our bodies in a different way through the process of trying to conceive, being pregnant, childbirth, motherhood, breastfeeding, beyond, um, perhaps it can shape the relationship between ourselves and our bodies in a different way that actually could have a positive impact on sexuality. So, for example, people who might have struggled with body confidence may feel that actually their body has now done an amazing thing and it moves them to a place of more acceptance or there's an appreciation for what their body has done, and that actually acceptance of meeting themselves where they're at can be something that really improves sexual self-esteem or sexual self-confidence. Because before, where there was a sense of hiding their body, now there might be more of a sense of celebrating it. Yeah, I mean, on social media, there's definitely, you know, there's this image of uh, the perfect mom, there's the bounce-back body, which is really just saying your internal organs have gone back to where they're supposed to be faster than maybe somebody else's. But then there's this whole other strand of imagery where people are showing their stretch marks. They're showing, you know, looser skin that from a, you know, growing a baby and saying, you know what, look at this body. It's done this incredible thing that maybe I didn't even think it could do. And, and I'm connecting to this body almost with these, you know, a sense of pride in what I've been able to to go through. Mm. And in terms of kind of these societal messages or conditioning, do you think that this only relates to motherhood and sex? Or do you think that we have a different conversation when it comes to fatherhood and sex? And I guess I'm aware that there might be men listening to this episode or fathers listening to this episode who might be thinking, okay, where's the episode on fatherhood and sex? Um, mm-hmm. Which maybe I will do. Yeah. But I suppose all of the attention tends to be on the pregnant or carrying or birthing and feeding partner mm-hmm. when it comes fr- to trying to conceive through to 
um, parenthood? And does the conversation feel like it's so weighted on that side as well? You know, I think what happens is there's been so many profound changes for that birthing individual. And yes, you have the, you have the physiological changes that have, you know, this, and it's, you know, and that's not even getting to a much larger conversation of, did that person have a positive birth? Do they have birth trauma? Um, Do they have, have they, are they suffering or suffered from any kind of pelvic floor issues because of birth? Because there's a lot of individuals that are having painful sex after birth Mm -hmm. and and there's an actual physiological reason. Um, Unfortunately, we don't talk about these things enough. Enough individuals don't know that there are resources to help them. We've, we've almost normalized that there's going to be pain or, you know, there's going to be incontinence issues. There's going to be a whole host of things that just because something is common doesn't mean that it's okay or that it needs Mm. to be that way. One of the most popular episodes that I did in the first series was on postnatal sex lives with Claire Bourne, who is a women's Mm -hmm. health physio. And this is exactly the point that she was making was sex can be uncomfortable. We shouldn't expect sex to be painful and it just to be something that we have to deal with. Yeah, and there's a huge percentage of, of individuals who are suffering with painful sex and suffering for, in some cases, decades, not knowing that there are different resources. There's um, some statistics for that one in, it's only one in three women will, who's having incredible, you know, pain with sex will actually seek help and support because we have so many taboos and we've kind of made it normal when it's definitely not normal to be having, you know, painful sex with birth. So you have, you're having all of those physiological changes that are happening or the idea that if you, if you are breastfeeding, that breastfeeding changes your estrogen levels and causes mm-hmm. vaginal dryness. So there's so many different, you know, physiological hormonal reasons that your body may be responding to sex differently after becoming, a, you know, a mother. But then on top of it, your whole identity. And I think, you know, growing up in kind of a, a Western, you know, construct, we're, you know, and I'm American, it's, it's all this, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And at the, at the core of that is an idea about being independent. Hmm. And motherhood, it, it, it definitely takes away some of that that independence that we've kind of been taught to to value and cherish. So our role in society changes, our our relationship to even having our having space, having time in our lives, you know, our our jobs, everything becomes a little bit different. How we relate, do I am I a mother first and then maybe some other career identity is that mother identity always kind of walk into the room before me, which doesn't happen with fatherhood. You know, we don't, it's, it's not typically the first conversation if you're, you know, you're talking to a male colleague about their children, but it happens a lot with, with women. You think that socially women are treated differently if they're mothers? Yes, and there's very much this idea that a sexual mother is a a bad mother. 
that a sexual mother being somebody who's not being selfless, who's not being the martyr, somebody who's prioritizing their own pleasure, somehow that aspect of their personness negates them being a good mother. And that's, you know, it's a very, um, we don't think that way about, about dads. And I think that's, you know, it's something that's a very, you know, it's, it's a little bit throwing back to those ideas of like, you know, the good girl versus the bad girl. The good girl's going to abstain from sex or she's, you know, going to remain chaste in some way. But the bad girl, she's going to be sexual. And that, and that then continues into this, you know, good mom versus bad mom. I mean, there's so many reasons that, and so many ways that society judges that. Uh, which is a totally different topic. But when it comes to sex, you know, the asexual mom, she's, she's a saint. And then there's this, you know, the, the sexual mom, she's almost a, a deviant in some capacity. Mm. And I suppose we even see that reflected in kind of um, assumptions around like how women dress, don't we? Or how mothers dress. And I think there's, I mean, as you said, there's almost like a whole another conversation in itself. But like there's a um, something that we have talked about kind of I suppose in in therapy as an idea is this Madonna Hall dichotomy and what this talks about is like these polarized perceptions of women and as you said is like the good girl so like like pure Madonna or like very bad and promiscuous or seductive and I suppose although like these kind of ideas can feel really dated or therapy or like very kind of theoretical Mm -hmm. I guess what we're saying or what these theories are saying and what it feels like you're saying is that we can see that women's ability to nurture or care and then sexuality can be seen as mutually exclusive rather than something that can be paired together or it feels taboo when they are grouped together or connected or we don't know how to do that and let it sit comfortably. Yeah, I mean, there's this idea of, you can call it kind of like maternal lineage, where we we kind of absorb, you can extend it, lots of ideas, that, but we absorb ideas about sex, sexuality, bodies from our parents, from our culture, from our society. And then as mothers, we're also absorbing how we're supposed to mother. And what is a mother, how is a mother supposed to behave? How is, you're saying, how is a mother supposed to dress? Oh, wearing that tight, sexy outfit that's not that's not for mothers that's for you know somebody else you'll see it a lot in kind of like pop culture that you'll have somebody let's say like a Kim Kardashian or a Beyonce who you know totally used sexuality in some part of their their persona but all of a sudden they become a mom and it's completely inappropriate and then you'll have people trolling them for wait you're a mom put it away Mm. But at the same time, you're, you need to be a yummy enough mummy. You, you still need to be, you know, you can't let it fall apart. You still have to be sexy enough to, you know, maintain your partner's attraction. Mm. So it's a really, it's, a, it's saying not too much over here, not too much over there. I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, it was a be a lady kind of it was a it was a video they had Cynthia Nixon and it yes. was it was really it was all of these different contradictions um it was originally a poem but all these different contradictions that you know of what it means to be a lady 
Be be sexy, but not be too sexy. Be, you know, appealing, but don't be a tease. And I think mothers have that as well, but we're so much more, we've absorbed kind of the, these these pre-existing ideas that are, you know, when you're talking about Madonna and horror, they are kind of from other time periods. They are from other generations, but we let them seep into our ideas of motherhood more than we maybe do let it sit into our kind of other other archetypes. Mm. And I suppose parenthood or, you know, motherhood for the sake of this conversation is one of the biggest archetypes we have, right? It is. And then at the same time, you know, this is one of those facts I came across in all those years at the Museum of Sex, but MILF is one of the most searched porn categories. Mm. So we did a whole exhibition that was based on research by two computational neuroscientists. So basically they went through everybody's internet searches and what is it, what are we really looking for uh, when we think nobody's looking? And up bubbles to the top, MILF. And mm. so, but, and part of that is we fetishize this idea that it we also think is incredibly taboo. I suppose for me it kind of positions it as something that people feel more comfortable than thinking about or talking about behind closed doors, that idea. Yeah, I mean, behind closed doors does definitely allows people to, and also just, you know, in the, even in their own minds, your erotic imagination is one of the most, you know, potent tools of your sexuality. So you may have a fantasy that exists and it may not even be something that you want to do in real life, but you like the the idea of it. And I guess I, I connect the this idea of erotic imagination to to motherhood, to sexuality, because I think you need to have an erotic imagination. It, it, I, I believe that it's a really important part of your sexual dynamic. But for a lot of mothers, there's so much else that there's kind of described as the mental load. There's so many minutiae of responsibilities. There's giant responsibilities. There's all of these expectations that this mental load of motherhood, I think some people call it worry work or cognitive labor. It, it almost crams our brains and doesn't allow enough space for this erotic imagination to flourish. You know, mm. so I've, I've been doing some, some research. Um, I have a survey out. I'm trying to gather some data to also give some structure to, the, to my book research. And it was amazing. I mean, I, I'm still trying to gather more. I wouldn't say these are my final, final numbers, but at this point, 80% of my respondents say that, as, and these are mothers, they're saying they just, they can't get their head in the game. Mm. They're, they're so distracted by to-do lists and other things that they're, they're needing to think about and process on that mental level. They're not, they're not able to allow the space for this erotic to come in. Mm. And so sex becomes, well, it becomes deprioritized, doesn't it? And, you know, by what we know about desire and Dr. Karen Gurney, um, one of my guests from the first series, talks about this so beautifully and eloquently. But the topic of desire being that it's so largely like responsive that it's we we kind of lean into wanting to be sexual. But if we are looking around us and all we can see and think about 
is everything that there is to do. That is a distraction. And distraction is a real desire killer. Distraction is a real dampener for desire, as is stress. And so perhaps as mothers or parents, you know, or primary caregivers, we have to work so much harder to get into that sexual headspace or that desire headspace in order to get to where we want to be able to get to. Perhaps in a way, it's not the physical act of sex itself that has causes such a problem for lots of people, but actually the act of getting there. And, you know, I often um, talk to people in my therapy room about the idea of sometimes when we are feeling like that, it can feel a bit like kind of coming from minus 10. We have to work to get from minus 10 to zero and then from zero to 10. And that is zero neutral. If we feel distracted or stressed, depressed or anxious or we have to work really hard or there's so much going on it's we're not starting our sexual experiences from a level playing field we have to get in the right headspace and a phrase I hear all the time is oh when I'm actually doing it I'm enjoying it but it's the getting to doing it bit that's the problem I couldn't agree with it more and I think in motherhood getting getting to that place is so much harder not because of, I think a lot of it is, you know, I'm coming with my, my anthropologist thinking about society culture hat on, is that there's so many pressures on modern motherhood. I, I, I genuinely believe motherhood at this moment in time is just different than it was for previous generations. Mm-hmm. I think there's this idea of lots of academics have kind of discussed this and propelled this, that we're in a time of intensive mothering where it is, it's like a full contact sport. It is, you know, full focus on the kids. There's, there's a, an ex, a phrase that, you know, I've come across in my research, this idea of postnatal depletion, that in this time, you know, and I think the postnatal postpartum stage, it's not just this, I've just had a baby and the surrounding months, it can, it can be an, almost an indefinite time period that you are just exhausted on this emotional physical level because there there's just so much pressure um mm, another one of exactly these the word I was thinking about pressure pressure there's so much pressure to be this perfect I feel it I'm a mother I have two children I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old I mean I it is an exhausting burden to remember all the different things that are are required of of parents today and i and people are really responding to the fact also we don't have the same support network to do this whole act of raising children that maybe we've had in previous generations so people are always joking like when's the village going to show up like i'm mm-hmm. i'm waiting yeah. um we you know i know that for myself i'm an expat family we have no family you know, anywhere nearby. And so we kind of, we have to do this all on our own. And I know that a lot of families, you know, they don't have to even be expat. It's just the way that our our modern world works, that we live away from people and we, we're we just doing so many things. So that's another uh, 60% of the, the, the mothers I surveyed just said they're just too tired for sex. So they're, there's the mental load and then there's just this physical exhaustion tied to that that idea of postnatal depletion. Mm. And I think it's interesting you said that word pressure, because I think 
this is again where I suppose modern life poses a challenge because we are constantly like reachable and you know technology enables that everyone can have one eye on social media or what everyone else is up to that creates even if it's an unconscious but comparison culture so there's this constant being able to also see I think how everyone else is doing and something I talk about a lot is this idea of comparing our inner worlds to other people's outer worlds on things like social media or you know the media in general and so checking ourselves for doing that but being like okay but they chose to post that photo they chose to post that image or that has been highly filtered or you know whatever that looks like but just kind of remembering that there is a a life and a story going on obviously behind the scenes as well but there is this sense of I suppose juggling um and that we can't really escape even if we're on maternity leave for example we can't really escape the questions or the thinking about what's going on. And also, I hear people say this all the time, you know, like, when are you going back to work? Or when are you going to have another one? And that kind of instant um, sense of, I've just had one baby and people are already asking me when I'm going to have the next one. It's amazing how our society gives permission to ask really intimate questions of our mm. our reproductive choices. And, you know, and... Not that it doesn't happen to men as well, but it really, it, it becomes this focus. Particularly, I think it's also very difficult for mothers who are working outside of the home and this, or even certain age groups of women that, oh, are they just going to go off and have babies? And are they not going to, or are they going to come back and rejoin, you know, a, a team at work? And so there's, we we put all these ideas like it's uh, our business <laughs> uh, into people's really intimate lives. And, you know, I have to say that this is the first generation of mothers that's ever had social media. Uh, and I don't think that we can underestimate what that impact has been on, on how we view motherhood. I think if you, if you look at some place like Instagram, where moms are actually the big monetizers of that platform, it is a huge driving force um, of, of of influencing and and you have these different camps. You have kind of this perfect mother camp that you know everybody's wearing matching outfits and you know no one looks like they're screaming and crying and they're loving having their photograph taken. And then you have this kind of this idea of the hot mess mom, where you know it's all about look. I haven't been able to take a shower in you know five days and. Look, this is this is the realness, and but I think for a lot of us, we kind of we oscillate someplace in the middle, mm. um, and and so I, I even know for myself, you know, I've been working on this book, and you know, I, I think my family is complete. We're happy with you know, we have two children. We're very lucky to have the you know the children that we have, but even myself scrolling through Instagram in a professional capacity, I'm kind of using it, using it as an anthropologist. This is my ethnographic, my land of <laughs> ethnographic research. But if you just see cute babies all day long, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have a baby. I've seen, you know, 5,000 baby pictures today. I mean, there is this impact that we have that it's not always just about coveting material things. 
particularly when it comes to motherhood, and we're seeing these really highly crafted images, it can have it can have a toll on us. But it also, you know, there's lots of people who have gone through different chapters in their motherhood journey. Um, mm. And I think that that's also, also, you know, it can be, I know for lots of people, it can be very triggering to, to see these images and to, to see this kind of, this co- also constant conversation about motherhood because we've, our society has, has made motherhood almost the biological determination of what you're supposed to do as a woman. Mm. Yeah. And then, it, and that path isn't always an easy path, um, and, and for so many different reasons. And then there are people that are struggling with all different kinds of maybe it be fertility issues, or um, you know, maybe if they've lost a child, or there, there's so many different you know ways that we're then intersecting with this motherhood, this you know big idea of motherhood that we put on a big cultural pedestal. Mm. I completely agree. I have shared that I've had a miscarriage, um, I've had IVF myself, had infertility, that then in thinking about motherhood, and this is something I, you know, I wanted to include in this conversation, was also that there is a whole group of people who wanted motherhood and it wasn't possible for, and people who went through all of those changes and biological, physical personal, you know, psychological, emotional changes. And they didn't have a child at the end of it. And so there's also, I suppose, a whole host of messages and changes um, that go on around that. And I think there's a separate conversation, I suppose, about the whole kind of trying to conceive and infertility. I spoke to the girls at Big Fat Negative podcast um, about that, because that in itself changes sex and sexuality in a completely different way. Absolutely. I think, you know, for me, and as I'm writing this book, that is all a part of mama sex. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, that, and I think that we also need to broaden what our, our definitions are of these things. That, that very much is a part of this, this narrative. And I, and, you know, I think that we will have more and more of that needing to be integrated. I know for myself, I'm uh, I'm 39 right now. I had, for New York City standards, I had my children quite young. I, I My first child was born when I was 29. Most of my friends are having their children now. And uh, many, many, many are, are having different challenges. And I think that is also part of our, will be part of the hallmark of our generation that many Many individuals have waited different times in their life. I think that we have just, you know, there's there's a, there's a lot going on in our just general environment that I think is impacting fertility. Um, and so it's something that we have to integrate into this larger conversation. Hmm. And I suppose Mama Sex is the title of your next book. And I know that you and I have spoken about it um, before. Yeah. But why the... Why the desire to write this book? Like, why Why is it important? I mean, I guess it's important for all of the, the points that we've made so far. But I suppose the, the kind of topic of this conversation was about motherhood, but more about that kind of overarching, like, identity bit or ideas about motherhood, society, you know, thinking, feeling. 
how how have you put that into a book or how are you putting that into a book? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, I really think that society is, for lack of a better expression, fucking with women's sex lives. I think... And, and that's a little bit part of my, I think that we're on this cusp of a, a mama sex revolution. I think that there are mothers and there's this growing sense of discontent about how things have been working and the structure of things and feeling like there's something not quite right and wanting to, to integrate a more positive sense of sexuality into their lives that, you know, I think mm. we're generationally, we've, we're kind of on the shoulders of different forms of feminism where it, it's not as foreign an idea that, you know, a woman may want to have sexuality and pleasure as a core part of her life and identity. And then we run into this wall of motherhood where we, wait a second, this feels like I've been transported to, you know, a, a totally different generation. What, there's lots of women that have, you know, are coming to me in my, through my research and all of this that are, I used to feel a very sexual, very sexually empowered. I was, I understood how my body worked. I I could communicate that. I maybe had a very active, you know, erotic fantasy life. But then I hit motherhood. And where did that woman go? I, I, mm. I feel so disconnected to her. Or on the other hand, you'll have, um, you know, women who are, they'll kind of define themselves in, in more midlife. Maybe they're in perimenopause or in menopause. And they're finding that maybe for the first time. So I have, you know, if, people in responding again to my survey, they're saying 54% of the people who responded are actively feeling that they want to prioritize pleasure as a part of their lives. They just don't know how to do it. And a lot mm -hmm. of them are not really, they're not a, they can, it's like you can feel this sense in the air. Like there's all this, these things weighing on me, stressing me out, making me feel anxious, making me, maybe feel disconnected from my partner. But it's so hard for most people to put their finger on, on what those things are. So I guess part of what I'm trying to do is explain some of the, the social structural factors that feel so invisible, but are so actively in our bedrooms with us. Mm. And I yeah. know as, as a mother myself, you know, I, I went through, you know, this, these chapters of, you know, having two children, they're pretty close in age and, you know, having sex that was with the goal of trying to make a baby. And sometimes that took longer and sometimes it took shorter. And then we felt like our family was complete at two. And then it's like, okay, here I am in my early thirties. What's the rest of my sexuality going to look like with my partner? Like mm. we're taking this procreative sex kind of, there was a chapter of like, this is our focus. So now who are we? How are we going to integrate this in our lives? Because I, I, I want to have that closeness. We want to have that closeness. I, you know, you see so many, so many couples being more and more disconnected and, you know, resentments brewing. And sometimes that's because of, 
maybe not feeling that it's as, as egalitarian of, as a household as maybe you intended. Mm. Or, um, you know, if it, 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 maybe it's, you know, it is coming down to sexuality and not feeling the intimacy of sexuality um, or not feeling the connection. Parenthood changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Like almost irreversibly, almost in an instant. Absolutely. And that's why you have to get to know this. You're a brand new person. So not mm. only do you need to get to know yourself, but your partner has to get to know this this new person that's arrived. And I don't think we really explain to people that that's what's going on. And if you knew that, okay, if you had a brand new partner, you would take the time to get to know them. You'd get to know their their body. You'd get to know, you know, okay, the, this is their, I'm not in a mental space to do this right now, but here, here I am. Or maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be, I, I think there's a, this I, also idea of, of guilt and there's like mom guilt that mm. is just ever present in our, our modern motherhood. And there it's, it, Definitely creeping into sex and sexuality. Okay, I feel guilty. I should have sex with my partner. I, I feel bad for them. I feel like, but it's not necessarily rooted in any kind of self-pleasure. It's it's just putting it as almost one more thing on the to-do list. Mm. And I, I don't think anybody benefits from that kind of feeling. I mean, I would I would feel pretty hurt if my husband thought of having sex with me as just like a tick off the list. And I know I wouldn't find that satisfactory. And I think that's what a lot of people get to. And, you know, certainly like, um, you know, I've heard phrases in the therapy room like duty sex or like should sex or um, just because then if we do it, then it breaks up the time limit or we do it and it, as you said, ticks the box or that's it for the month. Now I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the month. And I think that people can get into those cycles. And I mean, this is really where I just can't recommend um, Mind the Gap by Dr. Karen Gurney enough because it focuses so much on this idea of desire and I suppose what I want to recognise is that desire might have changed. There's this um, a phrase and I, I never know who said it but the idea that like foreplay begins in the morning when you wake up and that for someone actually seeing that their partner is doing something to help them can then really enable them to be open to feeling desire or feel more open towards each other because they're like oh thank god you understand you're trying to help me like and th this is not a, a really gendered conversation but any partners can do that and I think that it's that sense of actually teamwork or kind of working together when parenting although by definition can be quite like a team-based activity people take their roles and the roles tend to be quite different and I think that that can play a big part in our sex lives without us really realizing. I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that that form of foreplay is is really critical. Um, mm. And, you know, more more kind of numbers, because I know I almost what happens sometimes with these these topics and particularly when it deals with, you know, female sexuality, things become really anecdotal. And so they get written off. Mm. And I mean, I don't believe in that, but unfortunately, that's what happens. Oh, it's just it's just one person's perspective, or that's that one woman's voice. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to counter some of these outdated approaches with these this data and these ideas. But if 44 percent of moms are feeling disconnected from their partners, and 32 percent of them are just straight up resenting their partners, 
I, I mean, we, we see the wedges that are coming between people and, you know, trying to, and I think some of it is just not feeling understood that if, you know, if your partner Absolutely. doesn't understand this idea of, of matricence, which I think most people have never heard of this matricence, that it would give a lot more context. Oh my God, you've, you've literally become a new person through this process. And, you know, disproportionately how our society, you know, even, and I think fathers are participating now in, in parenting in, in a totally different way than our previous generations. Definitely. So I think there's definitely a lot of dads that are like, look, I'm, I'm doing so much more <laughs> than my, my dad ever did. But there's, mm. it's still not feeling enough because if you were kind of going into a mindset, okay, we're going to have this egalitarian household and we split things and still so much more falls on the, the maternal shoulders. Mm. There's a really interesting book. The title is fairly inflammatory, but it's called um, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids by Jancy Dunn. And I was reading it for work out of interest. And actually what I found really interesting was just some of the takes and some of the phrases, like the invisible workload and things like that. And I think there is so much that goes with parenthood, not just motherhood, but parenthood, which clashes with sexuality or dampens desire. Because as anyone who is a parent knows, there is also just so much admin. <laughs> it's not it's not sexy, a lot of this stuff. It's not us as sexual partners, not even sexual partners, it's not us as partners at our best. A lot of it can feel quite mundane or quite routine or um, quite demanding or quite organisational based or practical. And those aren't the things that really fan the flames of desire, but they are the bits that are a necessary, I don't know, um, management structure, I suppose, of being... (laughs) parents. Absolutely. I mean, Esther Perel writes a lot about this, that you, you need to have a little bit of space mm. to, to have that kind of that erotic charge happen. And parenthood, and particularly in the version of modern parenthood, there is zero space. I mean, no space. <laughs> there's, there's no physical space. There's no mental space. There's, it's just, it's this kind of unrelentingness. Um, and you know, like people will talk about being, a lot of moms will talk about being like overtouched. And, you know, that is, it's actually a a good percentage of of moms that are, that they've just been mad, they've just been like touched by little hands all day long, that they just almost need a detox from it. Mm, So it's not that they're touched overload. And it's not that they, they don't want to, have the the touch of their partner their just their system can't handle it anymore and i think we probably feel that more because we've generationally we've just had a little bit more physical autonomy than maybe other other generations have had we we have a, a different idea of of consent as well and you know what's allowed into our our physical bubble and what's not allowed into our physical bubble mm. I suppose that word autonomy has come up a couple of times, hasn't it? But it's that idea of this used to be all my own. And even though we might be choosing to 
try and conceive, to try and get pregnant, to go down that path, there is still a sense of your body not being your own anymore. And for lots of people, that might feel incredible. And, you know, they might really love it. For some people, they really might not. You know, I talk to lots of people who, for example, find pregnancy really difficult and don't enjoy being pregnant. And really, it's just not a happy time for them. But there's also like a feeling of shame or embarrassment in feeling that way because what they're sold, inverted commas, is kind of the the glow and, oh, you look amazing, look at your bump and everything. And they're thinking, I feel so sick all the time. I'm exhausted. I have all of these symptoms and this is one of the hardest things I've done. Plus, that's on top of my normal life. For example, whether that's parenting another child or it's working or it's doing whatever they do. And I think that that's also difficult. But I suppose the flip side of that and something that I did want to mention kind of before we wrap up this conversation is lots of people kind of might argue that motherhood doesn't impact sexuality or that it doesn't change things or that things do just go back to how they were before. Um, I guess I would argue that everyone has their own experiences and, you know, like everything else in life, you know, there is variety. But what would you say, do you think that that can be true or not? I mean, I I think every that is incredibly possible for some people. I Mm -hmm. don't, I wouldn't say that it is kind of the overarching norm. And the only Mm. reason I would say that is because we wouldn't have this joke of, and it's it's this bad joke that kind of exists about like, almost the MILF is like the oxymoron in a way that we have, or, oh, once you have kids, you stop having sex. Or even in like what to expect when you're expecting, it says the chap, there's like a couple of, you know, mentions of sex, but it's like sex question mark and it's in the section for dads. So it's this (laughs) idea that like, okay. It's not for mums. Well, that this is going to just disappear and evaporate. Mm. And I I think that that is telling us that that people are having a really hard time, but because it's taboo and because there's, you know, all of these other, you know, we've talked about kind of all the different social, cultural kinds of aspects that it's it's being accepted or then people will have ruptures in their relationships and then they'll then they'll embrace this new sexuality or this mm. new version of themselves. But we don't talk enough about like trying to trying to find that that new version of you, mom, who's also a sexual being, and, you, and you're still a good mom because you're doing mm. it. So I suppose the kind of point to finish the conversation on is like working out how to be a mother and still be me or still be you. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it, your one's sexuality in whatever version, and I, 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 I do not believe in that, you know, sex needs to be uh, at a certain quantity or a certain, that's, this is what good sex looks like, but it has to, it has to work for the individuals involved. And if mm. there's, if it's not, then, then you have to start asking mm. yourself larger questions. Yeah. Amazing. Sarah, when is Mama Sex Out? So Sex in the Museum, your first book. Yes. 
but when when do we expect Mama Sex to be on the shelves or when can we get a copy? Um, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm hoping next year. I mean, being a mother myself and living through this last year of uh, pandemic and crisis homeschooling and all these things has definitely slowed the role of my writing a bit. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm hopeful that next year... Um, in some version, it will be out. And I've, because, you know, the process of writing books is slower, I have launched a, a website that is almost kind of like a living digital platform of the, the work and the research and the data that I'm coming across. And also interviews um, with people who are working in all different fields. I'm kind of putting my, my curator perspective of trying to bring all the different voices that pertain to mama sex into one, one you know, quote unquote room. And, hope, and then eventually into the book. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sexual Wellness Sessions. If you'd like to join us for more conversations, you can click subscribe on either Apple or Spotify podcasts. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review.